Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we have a crossover episode for you with Cole Thompson from Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven. He also was the host of the Locked On Aggies podcast. He and I will preview Wednesday's matchup between Florida and Texas A&M. We will also talk some SEC football with some off-season notes on the Aggies and where they could stack up in the West in 2020. Here was my conversation with Cole this week. All right, we now welcome in Cole Thompson from Aggie Maven and the Locked on Aggies podcast to discuss Wednesday's matchup between Florida and Texas A&M. We'll also discuss some SEC football, where things are at with both of these squads heading into the spring. Cole, welcome into Locked on Gators for a crossover episode. How's it going, my friend? Yeah, doing pretty well, man. You know, there's never too much to complain about when you were covering the SEC. That's what I always say. And both of us have a really good job being able to cover the best conference in college football. How about you? Yeah. No, absolutely, man. And I think uh, everyone looking forward to uh, this matchup on Wednesday, certainly a game that the Gators need, uh, a game that the Aggies need. Um, let's start with Texas A&M. They're 11-11 and on the year. Uh, certainly they've had some ups and downs, but they've played well at times. They took LSU to overtime at one point during the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Aggies uh, so far and how their season has gone? I think it's a lot like when Jimbo Fisher came to College Station for his first year. Every single time we look at this A&M team, everyone expects us to be elite the next season. And Buzz Williams is a great coach, but you can't build a team overnight. So showing the little positives, especially from younger talent such as Emmanuel Miller and Andre Gordon, is really helping build the roster. Both of them sit with over double-digit points. Uh, averaging that per game. I believe Miller is second on the team in rebounds and Gordon is second on the team in assists. The one thing that really worries me that it has been an issue, especially with the younger guys as well, is their three-point shooting range. They are the worst in the nation. They continue to struggle getting uh, getting pressure on the outside. And, and there's moments where they look like they're shooting just at plain sky in the air instead of just giving the ball up and getting a chance for, you know, maybe a proper shot. And they won't even use the whole, you know, track clock just to set themselves up. They'll shoot at you know, 7, 9, 11, uh, when they could have probably set up another play and another screen and maybe shot that way. Overall, there's a lot to really like about the A&M team, and Buzz Williams was easily the best hire and the right move after Bill Kennedy. But at the same time, it wasn't going to be built today. They were going to be at most an NI team team this year. If they win this uh, this game at home against Florida, I think they're still in the running, but it's not their year just yet. They're two years, and they will be in contention for an SEC title. Speaking of the Gators, I think everybody thought that they were going to be in contention for an SEC title going into the season. You have the addition of Kerry Blackshear. You had all the sophomores that were back, some five-star freshmen that got added to the mix, and it has just – not produce the results that everybody expected uh, this season. Florida's had a bunch of ups and downs. You think at one point they've turned a corner and they get a big win, I think especially that 22-point win over Auburn. Folks felt like maybe the team has started finally figuring it out and, and playing together as a group, and uh, they've had losses since then that still make you scratch their head and, 
and another one on the road at Ole Miss. So this team has struggled both on the offensive end and the defensive end. Mike White's come out and called this team soft. He says that they're not mentally tough. Um, it's just it's been a really I think frustrating season for Florida fans, no doubt. And then I think for these players that came into the season. Uh, with the top ten, you know, number six, uh, you know, ranking, and people I think had a lot of high expectations for Kerry Blackshear as well, and he's had his gains and his moments, but uh, it's been a struggle for Florida, and and I think when you look at where they're at right now in the season, still trying to to get some more quality wins, but you look at the pressure that is mounting, and especially for Mike White, I mean, on Saturday the Gators are going to name the court after Billy Donovan. And there's been so much calls for, for Mike White's job. There are people not happy with the results this season. So the timing of all this and where the Gators are at right now is a really tricky road, I think, for Mike White that he's going to have to navigate. And they need a win in the worst way on Wednesday. So as we look at this matchup and how these two teams will face off, who are some players that the Gator fans need to watch out for Texas A&M on Wednesday night? Well, for starters, let's just go back to Florida for a second. They're still, according to multiple different uh, technologies, they're still supposed to make the tournament. They would be a 10 seed as of right now. Uh, but you got to look at it. You know, they've only managed 57, 51 points in a 17-point loss to Ole Miss. But they were able to beat Anthony Edwards, who probably will be the number one pick, who went dominant on A&M. Believe he had his second double-double in the season. So they were able to release a 22-point second-half deficit against them to avoid that loss. They still have games that they're going to have to win, but they do have a little bit more of an easier path moving forward. But if we're talking about A&M right now, oh, man. I mean, Josh Nebo is always going to be one, uh, mainly because of when you look at what he's able to do in the paint, he's also the team's leading scorer. He's not afraid to cluck back and shoot the three. He's a guy who's going to be able to win at all three levels of the court. Uh, Andre Gordon is another one. And Wendell Mitchell, that would be the one if you're banking on someone to make three-pointers. Wendell Mitchell probably would be the guy. You look at his numbers, you look at what he's done, especially in several past games, 22 points, I believe, 18 came off three-pointers. He's going to be able to find ways to break open, and if he does, he's going to find opportunities to make a name for himself. But there are guys who probably could be on the watch. Just overall, you know, you have, of course, Quentin Jackson, known for his ability to create slam dunks and on breakaways. I think you also have Savion Flag. J.J. Chandler's pretty solid on defense. Emmanuel Miller, another guy, he's great around the rim. I think A&M is just a little bit behind in a very still dominant conference in basketball. But I would say Nebo, uh, Gordon for sure, and then if I had to go with the wild card, Wendell Mitchell because of his ability to cut back and shoot the three. Definitely. One thing that really intrigues me about this matchup, Cole, is uh, Buzz Williams and Kerry Blackshear and, and their history with each other and, and how that might play into this matchup because the Gators usually go as Kerry Blackshear goes. I mean, he was 0 for 3 the other night from downtown, did not have his most productive game, and uh, the Gators suffered offensively as a result. Andrew Nemhard is, is also their leader on that end, and he's had some really good performances this year. He set career highs against Alabama and against Georgia, but then he has games uh, like he did against Ole Miss where he only scores five points and, and is really not involved a lot in scoring. So uh, Florida's been a really inconsistent team, especially on the offensive end. I really like Keontae Johnson, I think, in terms of pro potential. He's got the most, and, and he can really put it together when he's having a good game. But 
Florida's just kind of been a wacky team on the road, man. They're, they're two and five on the season. Uh, they really get into these funks where they'll have a long stretches where they go without scoring a basket, and they keep getting themselves into these large deficits. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the 22-point comeback against Georgia, which tied the, the largest that they've had in school history. And Mike White was really obviously happy with that rally and the fact that his players had that within them, but also – bothered and concerned by the fact that once again they got down by 20 plus points so uh it happened to them again against Ole Miss and we'll we'll see if they can uh, prevent that uh, against the Aggies but, but what do you make of that that matchup with with Buzz with Buzz Williams and Kerry Blackshear and how how much that how much that might help Texas A&M prepare for Florida with what Blackshear can do you know there's a lot that you can look forward to, uh, but you know the biggest thing is that it's a former player of his. It's a guy who he did coach for, I think it was all all four years he was at Virginia Tech. I think that yeah. he was his coach all four years. Yeah, he's a guy who he knows how to play. Uh, you know, he's also powerful. He's a lot bigger guy. I think he's six foot eleven, six foot ten, two hundred and fifty pounds. They know what he's going to be able to do in the paint. That's going to be able to allow him to tell Josh Nebo, uh, his new, I guess, Kerry Blackshear in the sense to really step up and be, you know, aggressive in the paint because this is a guy who, you know, has made the most of his transition from Buzz to Mike White and now facing against his former coach. One of them's walking away a winner. I mean, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago when they played Georgia, uh, there was a former recruit who was originally signed to A&M who was releasing his letter of intent when Buzz took over and he, the leader tweeted out, had the last laugh or something like that. Things like that, when you have a former coach and you have a former player, you always want to be able to say that you ended up on the better side of it. Blackshear's a guy who can win in the paint. He's a guy who can win at the field goal range. I believe he's shooting 43%, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and because of that, he's a guy who's going to be able to beat you at multiple levels. I just think that you look at this game and what Buzz Williams has already known about Blackshear, it should be able to help him I think slow him down or allow Nito to get some blocks. Probably sitting down one-on-one conferences and talking to each other about what exactly he could do to move inside, what he could do around the rim, and what he definitely can do at the field goal range. The thing with Buds Williams, you mentioned that obviously this is his first season at Texas A&M. What are your thoughts on him as a head coach and, and your interactions that you've had with him so far, the job that he's done trying to get his culture and program set there at Texas A&M? You know, I think that he was the right hire. That's the biggest thing. He is an he is an Aggie former coach. He spent 1991 here, so he knows the program. He knows the fan base, uh, and he was a big name. You know what he's been able to do to transition pro- programs from Marquette all the way to uh, Virginia Tech, bringing them to consistent NCAA tournaments. I think several 316 appearances. This is a challenge showing the SEC, of course, but also at the same time you know that you can build when you're able to get players who love playing around you. And every single player that I've spoken to loves playing in Buzz's system. He's hard on them, but he knows how to get the best play out of them. And those are things that you can't really teach. So I definitely think that when you look at Buzz, even if he's a two- or three-year program away, he's a guy who definitely was the right hire and will be talked about as one of the better basketball coaches name in history if he continues to go down this line. But on the flip side for you, Mike White, he's taken the team to three of the four conference, uh, the tournaments that he's been at school, and people are asking if he's going to be fired at the end of the season if he misses. 
Do you see that as an overreaction or an underreaction or a perfect reaction heading into the final weeks of SEC play? Uh, oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, overreaction to an extent just in terms of the, the callings for his job. I think that he should definitely be facing pressure. I definitely expect this fan base, given its history and their expectations for the program, that they're going to be upset with the way the season has gone. Um, but at the same time, he's done a lot of really good things uh, during his time at UF. He's really well-liked within the athletic administration. I mean, probably more than any other head coach that they have uh, you know, uh, in charge of these Florida teams. So, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said for that. The recruiting has, has really uh, kind of taken a turn under his direction. The Gators have been able to get some five-star prospects and certainly uh, transfers like Kerry Blackshear. They just haven't been able to put it all together. They had the elite eight-run during his second season. But I do think that the biggest concern moving forward, Cole, is is the reaction from the fans and how Ford is going to finish the year. Now, they, they were in this same boat last year. You know, they had a losing record. They had a lot of people that were upset with the way things were going. And they were able to make a late run. They got the win over LSU in the SEC tournament. And they kind of salvaged the year at the end and were even able to get a win in the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, I think that there's still time to get – the fans behind them and, and to have some wins down here uh, that'll help them. But the, the problem though, Cole, again, is every time that they lose a game and every time that they're struggling, their social media accounts are a disaster. I mean, Florida fans are just in their mentions, constantly calling for his job, constantly talking negatively about the team. And at some point you, you worry about fan apathy and, and all these frustrations because you don't want recruits seeing that. So, um, We'll see how it plays out, man. Personally, I like Mike White. I think he's a really smart X's and O's coach. Um, but at the end of the day, I think fans still want to see Florida winning and competing for championships, and he's still got to get them to that point. No, I would agree with that. But at the same time, it's like the same way you look at how the Kevin Sumlin era ended in College Station. I, it was destined to happen, but he never had a losing season. Enum has yet to have a losing season, and I think – nearly a decade, if not longer, and he was run out of town because if he wasn't able to go past the Alabamas and the Auburns and even the, I would say, sometimes South Carolinas of the world. So those are games that, you know, unfortunately, fan bases are, will talk, and when there's a guy who maybe sees potential in Florida and maybe wants to join a roster, kind of like how Jimbo Fisher bolted from Tallahassee, I mean, that was a big story. Everyone knew that, you know, this was a guy who had won at Florida State you know, one of the most historic programs leaves pretty much in the middle of the night and goes to the college station. I mean, but at the same time, everything you look at with those things, you know, it takes time. And White maybe has a down year, but I don't think it's – I think it's an overreaction to say him being fired for missing the tournament this year, especially when more teams are getting cracked down on for how many teams you can have in the conference representing yourself because eventually you're going to have to put in the big sky and the Patriot league and, you know, all those other small leagues, their conference champions. And if not more of those teams, Florida would be a team that's bigger that will miss out. Now to football calls, we give you guys a crossover episode, locked on Gators, locked on Aggies. As we head into the 2020 season and we look at the Florida football team and we look at the Texas A&M Aggies, uh, I think both fan bases have to like the fact 
that they are coming into this year with their returning starting quarterbacks and some of their other opponents in their division, the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Georgias, they've lost their starting quarterback. And I think when you look at Kellen Mond and you look at Kyle Trask, those are really good pieces to kind of be building on as you go into the next year. No, I would agree. I actually did a story not too long ago, and they asked me, who do I think was the top quarterback heading into the 2020 season, the SEC? And number one is Kyle Trask for his success this past year. And number two was Kellen Mond because of the veteran presence. When you have a veteran presence at the quarterback position, even if you have a more veteran roster, the quarterback position is the most important because he can be, is going to be able to see things in defenses and coverages that most of the freshmen won't be able to see, or he won't be, and he'll be able to call and decipher, change up audibles. So that's a big win for both Florida and Florida, uh, Florida and Texas A&M. Also, A&M has an easier schedule this year. I mean, plain and simple. I mentioned it so many times. I wish I could drink every single time I mentioned it because if that's how hard the 2019 schedule was, first teams in AP history since 1975 to face the AP preseason top three, and the first team in NCAA history to face the, um, the number one team in the nation three times in the regular season. You now switch out Clemson with Colorado and Georgia with Vanderbilt, and you still have a struggling Arkansas, Ole Miss, maybe a slightly above average um, uh, Mississippi State, you have no idea what Auburn's going to do, no idea what, it, um, what Alabama's going to do and who they're going to replace the quarterback. This is the year that A&M needs to really step it up. A lot of people were talking about how Dan Mullen succeeded in year two for Gainesville. Year three for Fisher has to be exactly what happened in Gainesville's past year, or they're going to start hearing his name being thought of as being replaced. A 10-year contract for $75 million, you're expecting New Year's six goals on the regular. And I agree with you, Cole, on your rankings. I think Trasher and Mon are, are right there as one and two. And I, I covered Mon as a recruit, man. He was legit. And I thought that that pairing with Jimbo Fisher would lead to a lot of success for the Aggies. And, and you're right. I mean, this is their opportunity to make the run, given the schedule, given uh, some of the other quarterbacks around the league that have moved on. Um, let's stick with Fisher because Florida fans are obviously really – familiar with him from his time at FSU. Uh, what has been the overall take on him now, two years in to the Fisher regime, and, and how the fans kind of feel about the job that he's done so far? You know, it's pretty similar to what I would say is the Williams term right now. You know, there's frustration because you want to see your team succeed, and the 7-5 and five year is not something you really want to, you know, you really want to brag about, especially after going 8-4 and four in that seven-overtime game that was probably the game of the year in 2018 against LSU at home. Overall, you know, the success is there. I mean, he's in 18, He's won 18 games as a head coach. He's won both their games. Uh, that's something that, uh, that Kevin Sumlin wasn't able to say in his first two years. And he has the team headed in the right direction. Three top, five, uh, three top ten finishes in the recruiting cycle, as well as you look at a top five finish last year and – so much promise in this class, even though they only have two five stars. There's so much that I think that you can build with Fisher if you give him time. And the reality is, is that he was always going to need time. Now that this roster is a majority of his players, it should start looking like the Jimbo Fisher we saw in Tallahassee. That was dominant for years. Plus, he has two quarterbacks to really do a nice job replacing Mond after this season. And Zach Calzada, and now four stars, the number one quarterback in Texas, Haynes King, the first time since, I believe, 2014 that A&M landed the number one quarterback in the state of Texas. Wow. 
Wow. Well, whatever your whatever your Kyler Murray was, that's all I know. Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I mean, Fisher is the kind of guy that should be attracting quarterbacks like that. So I mean, that thing I think it speaks to his recruiting ability, and everybody saw that at FSU. And I think for for Dan Mullen, he's uh he's really in a good place right now in Gainesville. I mean, he's he's got back to back double digit win seasons. He's raised Florida's uh, ranking according to the recruiting services. And now he's even starting to get some five-star players, which is something Florida fans have always been clamoring for. The big thing for the Gators in 2020, if they're going to accomplish their goals, if they're going to go and win their division and make it to Atlanta, they're going to have to beat Georgia. I mean, the road to the SEC championship game is going to go through Jacksonville. And without Jake Fromm, the the opportunity is there for the Gators to finally get a win in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party under Mullen. They're 0-2 right now. As you look at A&M's 2020 season, the games that they have slated, some of their uh, divisional opponents, is, is there one in particular that you would circle on the calendar that's going to really be key for them in order to make it to Atlanta? Yeah, uh, before I go into that real fast, I'm not sold on Florida just yet. Jamie Newman did have a very successful season at Wake Forest. How he does grow in now um, now the new – in Todd Munkin's offensive scheme down in Athens, that'll be something to see. But I do think that it will be Florida or Georgia, of course, representing the East. A&M, I'm going to go with a surprise one, just real out of the gate. I think Mississippi State is the biggest trap game for them this year because of with the new extension of the new signing of – KJ Costello, a West Coast quarterback working with Mike Leach, a West Coast guy, he's going to be able to, one, bring his system, the air raid that worked fabulously the last two years up in Pullman, now to Starkville, and he has a quarterback who already knows that system very well from, one, playing against him, and, two, running something similar in David Shaw's offense. That could be a very big trap game because I do think Mississippi State is going to be probably an 8-4, and 7-5 team, but they do have the ability to cause some upsets. And while I do think Alabama is one of those games where, yeah, you can either say that it wasn't really a trap game or it was a game that you really need to see who wins, or even Auburn, this is a game in Mississippi State that I think is one of those trap games where they're going to be on a very hot streak. They should be coming into that one, I think, 4-0, right before they go right into their uh, right into their break. That'll be their first SEC game. They play no one to begin the season, and including an Arkansas team that's still a struggling. I think that this is a game that if they win, they show they are legit. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I would not be surprised to see the Gators facing the Aggies in Atlanta next year, man. Uh, I, I really think with the quarterbacks and the way the rest of the league is kind of set up, the opportunity is there for both teams. But obviously, you got to stay healthy. Uh, you got to go out there and win those games. But it's going to be fun to watch, man. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, Wednesday night's game. I appreciate you uh, joining me this week so we could preview it and give some fans some uh, some perspective on both of these programs. Now, before we let you go, and before I go, who you got in, today, in tonight's game? I tell you what, man. I think that, obviously, Florida is the, maybe the team that should win. Maybe they have the better talent. Um I'm going to go with the Gators, but that's a reluctant pick, man. They're 2-5 and five on the road this season. They've not played well. They're coming off of a loss. Maybe that kind of gives them an edge and a chip on their shoulder and they come out and play well. But um, I'll go with Florida, uh, but not very confidently. You know what? I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to go with Florida. I'm not confident, but I do think that Florida has been playing better. 
A&M continues to allow teams to shoot the three-pointers. They're just still one of the worst in behind the arc. I think Florida just gets enough of those. They're going to be able to hold on for at least a seven-point win. I will go Gators as well. Awesome, man. Well, Cole, I really appreciate the time, bud, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll run to each other in Atlanta next December, man. Hopefully so. Appreciate Cole for his time and perspective, and that will do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, he and I previewed Wednesday's matchup between Florida and Texas A&M. We also discussed some SEC football. On tomorrow's show, we'll bring you some comments from Florida coach Mike White to get you ready for Wednesday night's game. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.